Well, we're really glad to have you here today. We're beginning a new series today. I'm excited about that. It's called Signs, One Story That Leads to Jesus. Let me start with a story to illustrate. Uh, Mary's aunt, Joanne, who's married to Uncle Tadpole, whose parents are Gaddy Gaddy and me, Mommy. This is the South, you know. Uh, and Joanne is heading uh, to the beach with her best friend for the day. And so number of years ago, so they, they get onto the highway and they're driving along and they're just talking and talking and they're driving and driving and driving. And finally, one of them looks out the window and goes, whoa, wait, wait a second here. Did that sign just back there say Asheville? So anybody knows here the geography of North Carolina, you know, if you're heading toward Asheville, what direction are you going? You're going west, right? And they're trying to go, North Carolina is a very wide state, right? And they realize they're like, holy cow, we missed the signs. They weren't paying attention. And they missed the signs, and because they missed the signs, they, well, they had a very short day at the beach. Miss a sign, miss a lot. Would you say that with me? Miss a sign, miss a lot. Here's what we're going to be talking about. There are, in the, in the Old Testament, there are all kinds of signs, events, people, symbols, happenings that, that point ahead to say, hey, something is coming. You're heading the right direction. You're, you're going the right way, and, and all these signs ultimately point to a person whose name is Jesus, right? Now, you might go, I've been reading the Old Testament, I don't, I don't see that, I don't really, are you just making that up? Like, is that, you know, how do we really know that? You know, there's a conversation that Jesus has one time with two of his followers, and when he, after he comes back from death, and, and they're having this conversation, Jesus is now alive, but they don't know that they're actually talking to Jesus. For this moment, their eyes have been sort of like, they, they don't recognize him. God didn't want them to know that they were actually talking to Jesus. So they're walking along the road, and, and Jesus comes and starts walking beside them. And he goes, hey, what are you guys talking about? And they're like, what are we talking about? Well, do you not know what's happened in Jerusalem? And Jesus, no, well, what happened? They go, everyone's talking about, how do you not know? Jesus that we had pinned all of our hopes on was killed by these religious leaders who were jealous of the, you know, the gathering and the multitudes of people that were following him and they didn't like what he was saying and so they, they killed him. But what was confusing is that this morning some of our friends went to the cemetery and his body's not there. They still don't know who, that they're actually talking to the guy that they're grieving. And Jesus makes a comment in that moment and he says this, Luke chapter 24, Jesus says, wasn't it clearly predicted, he told these guys, that the Messiah would have to suffer before entering his glory, going back to heaven. And then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning whom? Himself. Now that's a conversation I wish I could have been a part of. When it says that Jesus went through the writings of Moses, that's the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Bible, and then the prophets is all the rest of the Old Testament. And it says that Jesus took them back to the entire Old Testament and said, and showed them all the things that it said about him. It pointed ahead, he's going, friends, there's a lot of signs that tell about that I was going to die, how I was going to die, the mission for which I would come that I was not coming to establish a political kingdom or to free just a nation from Roman oppression, but I was coming to restore people to God. You're gonna see just a few of the signs on the screen here uh, in your notes in the digital bulletin today. I've listed the scriptures that go with those. 
how all of these signs, the rock, the high priest, the, the kinsman redeemer, even a bronze snake, how they all point ahead to Jesus. You'll see in your notes how there's a scripture from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament where it shows that Jesus, this sign actually was pointing forward to him. So in this new series, the next uh, number of weeks leading up to Easter, we're going to look at some of these signs. Now there's three benefits from, to doing this. First of all, you'll have a better grasp of the Old Testament. Some of you have been reading through the Bible Project reading plan that we're going through. Anybody confused by all the sacrifices in the Old Testament or the laws? And you go, oh my goodness, I see some hands out there. And you're going, yeah, it's like, I don't know. And you read about the grain offering and the fellowship offering and all these offerings and burnt offering. And you think, what is it all about? And when you begin to see that all of those things ultimately, even if they seem sort of opaque to us or difficult, they all point forward to Jesus, you begin to get a better grasp of the Old Testament and how the Bible holds together with one plot line that comes together in a person, the living Jesus of Nazareth. Ultimately, the story has, it's, uh, the, the, the Bible is one story that leads to Jesus. Second benefit, we have greater confidence in the Bible. When you start to see how the Bible fits together, it's pretty remarkable. How from Genesis all the way to the final book of Revelation, that, I mean, how else could you have 66 books that comprise the Bible, written over the course of over a thousand years by more than two dozen authors in three different languages, and you, and you see it all begin to fit together, and you go, there's a, there's a plot line. There's from the beginning, which is what Genesis actually means, to revelation of what heaven is going to be like. You say, this helps me not only understand the Bible, it helps me to understand history. If you're wondering, like, where do we come from? What's wrong with our world? How does it get fixed? How do I get fixed and restored? And what is gonna happen to me when I die? All of the answers are in the scriptures. And when you see how it all holds together, you begin to realize that as Peter testifies in his letter, he says that the writers of scripture spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so you have human authorship, people writing the scriptures, but they're led ultimately by, by God. And, and God is, is leading them to write what he wants to be written. So you understand the Old Testament better, you see your confidence in the Bible grows as you see how it all fits together. And then third, you just get to know Jesus better, which is the ultimate point of the Bible anyhow, right? The Bible isn't for us to know facts or to, it, remember we said several weeks ago, we said the Bible is not a library, the Bible is, anybody remember this? That's a coffee shop. It's, it's a place where you don't go to just fill your head with knowledge. You actually go there to meet a person. And when you get to see all of the different signs, you say, oh my goodness, I see how Jesus was anticipated for a couple of thousand years. And then he came on the scene. Everything points forward to him. Everything looks back to him. In fact, as we take communion today, we're looking back and saying the greatest gift ever given was what Jesus has done for us. And so we want to look at the first sign today. And if you would, if you have your Bible or your phone with the Bible app, if you would turn with me to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. I want to say hi to our friends at Olmstead Falls. We're always glad to 
uh, have to be in the same fellowship with you. And also to our friends at Lorraine Correctional. Uh, we are cheering you on. We're glad to have you uh, joining with us and some of your staff as well. And then people who are engaging online from Strongsville or all the way we have friends in Senegal today, we're, we welcome you. Glad to have you with us as we dig into God's, into God's word. So each week, I want, us to, I want to show us a picture of what we're going to be uh, covering that day. And here's the picture for today. What does that picture represent? Anybody know what event? I heard a few people say the Passover, that's right. The Passover and, and that you have, you go, what, what is that right there? We're gonna look into that today. It's a feast that's still celebrated today. And really, when we take the bread and the cup of communion, we're in a sense looking back to Passover and the fulfillment of what Passover was all about. More on that in just a little bit. Traditional Passover will be celebrated this year in Jewish communities uh, on Good Friday. And there's great significance to that as well. We'll see why. But let's start here. Let's read from God's Word, Exodus chapter 12, beginning with verse 7. <clears throat> and here's, this is Moses, and it says this. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night they are to eat the meal roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. And then drop down to verse 24. It says this, Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants when you enter the land that the Lord will give you as he promised. Observe the ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does the ceremony mean to you? Then tell them. It is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who, what? Who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Let's just pause there. That's how Passover became a highlight Jewish holiday ever since. In fact, it's their most important holiday. Here's the historical backdrop. There was horrific slavery taking place in this context here, where you had one ethnic group enslaving another. And when God sees this the treatment or mistreatment of people made in his image under horrific conditions, his heart is grieved and he, he's going to judge the perpetrators of this violence for what they've done. When God sees people being mistreated, he always acts on his timetable. Maybe not when we like him to, but on his timetable. And so judgment is promised and God as he always does, makes it possible for people who obey him and believe in him to be kept safe. And so you read that all the way through the Bible. There's going to be horrific punishment that happens in this setting here, but God doesn't want anyone to perish. In fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, it says this. It says, God wants everyone to be saved. He's talking about you. He's talking about me. That Judgment is a part, we're going to see, of what, what happens when we mess up and we offend a holy God. But God always provides a way of escape, and that's what happens with the Passover lamb. So here's what happened. You chose a lamb. Every family. It had to be spotless. You couldn't take one that was, you know, had some issues or was ill or diseased or something like that, and you killed this perfect spotless lamb. And we might go, what? what in the world is that about? Just one second. We'll but you take it and you take some of the blood and you put the blood on the doorpost of your home. 
And God said, when I see the blood on the doorpost of your home, I will pass over your home and the angel of death will not touch your home. Judgment won't come. Only blood would save them from death. And that night at midnight, the angel of death indeed went to all the homes there in the entire nation of Egypt. And every family lost their oldest child, their oldest son, except for those who had the blood applied. And if you had the blood, it covered you. You lived. You might say, why is that? Like, what's up with that? The book of Hebrews, right through the end of the New Testament, says this, chapter 9. The law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. When there's no blood, there is no forgiveness. It was the way God had planned it, that, that, um, that there had to be a sacrifice. There had, to be, there had to be judgment against sin, and it could either be you or it could be a substitute. And so if you didn't have the blood of the Lamb, it was a terrible night of judgment and death. It all came back for the people of Israel, Passover, to the blood of the Lamb. Do you see how that points forward to Jesus? How they were practicing, every year they would have this feast and they would take a lamb and its blood and they would, they would remember how God had delivered them. And every time they practiced that, it was a sign pointing ahead to something that would happen. You see it all the way through the Bible. In fact, about, this was about 1,500 Uh, years before Jesus would come, Exodus chapter 12. Fast forward about 800 years to 700 BC, and you come to Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, and he gives a sign and he says this in Isaiah 53. He says, he, that is the suffering servant, was led like a what? A lamb to the slaughter. He poured out his life unto death. He bore the sin of many. Who is that talking about? Well, 700 years later, after Isaiah's prophecy, Jesus, the Son of God, enters the world into a Jewish family, a Jewish family that would go to Jerusalem for Passover, and Jesus celebrated that every year with his family. In fact, in in John chapter 2, you read this, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Every Jewish family knew about this. It was the biggest holiday of the year, but it was different for Jesus. He didn't just celebrate Passover, Jesus came as the very Passover lamb himself, right? A spotless lamb. He was like us, the Bible says, in every way except that he never, he never sinned. And so when John the Baptist sees Jesus right at the start of Jesus' public ministry, John looks and he goes, oh, look, there's the who? The lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The disciples got it too. Paul makes it super clear in 1 Corinthians. In fact, he just calls it right out. He says, for Christ, the Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Do you think it's mere coincidence that of 365 days that Jesus could have died, that Jesus actually died on what holiday? On Passover, do you know that? 
He tells his disciples before the Last Supper, he says, I want you to go and prepare for the Passover. Go and find, you'll find this room. And, and so they went, and Jesus, when he gives his life, gives his life on Passover. Why? Because he was the fulfillment of all of these signs that all pointed ahead to him. And then listen to the Apostle John's account when he gets a peek into heaven and he sees what heaven is like. It says in Revelation 5, then I saw a what? A lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne and they saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You see, friends, from the very beginning of the Bible, the book of Exodus all the way through, and we've just looked at a couple examples, to the very end of the scriptures, you have these signs pointing ahead and signs pointing back that Jesus is ultimately the one who holds the scripture together. It all points to him. Now, you might go, that's, that's really interesting, uh, but it still feels pretty remote. Like, how does this apply? Does this even apply to us today? And the answer is absolutely yes. Yes, this applies to you. This has great impact. In fact, if you miss a sign, you miss what? You miss a lot. If you miss who, who the Bible is ultimately about, and you never, you're like, well, that's interesting history, but you never encounter Jesus and never realize that I, I desperately need what he did when he came, what this represents right here, then you, you miss out and your life is in danger of, well, let's take a look here. Here's how the Passover lamb helps us today. You'll see a few key statements in your notes that are in the digital bulletin if you, or maybe you got notes on your way in. First of all, the Bible makes it really clear that sin always leads to what? Always leads to judgment. Sin leads to judgment. And back in the day of when the Passover was first instituted, uh, Remember what Israel's enslavers would do? The reason that God had such, uh, there was a need for, for judgment is because they would require the people of Israel to throw their sons, their newborn sons, into the Nile River. You go, why would he do that? Because he was afraid of how the nation was growing. He was like, I, they're gonna overtake us. And so God in his judgment, interestingly, says, I'm going to take your oldest son and going to punish you in that way. And he says, I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. Sin always leads to judgment. Maybe not immediately, but in time, sin, uh, there's a fallout for every one of us, even today. And so sin leads to judgment. Judgment leads to, to death. Romans chapter six says that the wages of sin is, is death. You might go, I know people who sin and they haven't really, I haven't seen them just fall over dead or whatever, and, um, but, what it, the worst kind of death is a spiritual death. A physical death is that my soul separates from my body and my body is the remains. Spiritual death is I'm, I'm separated, my, my, who I am as a person from, from God himself. And there's a separation from the one who made me and, and, and created me and wants to take me to heaven. And so sin leads to judgment, judgment leads to death. And that's why in the Bible, you read over and over again that because judgment leads to death, you always had a substitute. And so in the Old Testament, as you read about, you know, they brought a bird or they brought a goat or they had bulls or they brought a lamb, you can say, God, thank you. Thank you that we don't have to do this anymore. Why? Because 
Jesus came as our perfect once for all sacrifice so that we would never have to sacrifice again. So when you read the Old Testament, you can say, wow, it was really challenging. Jesus, thank you for coming and being the substitute for me, a perfect substitute. Friends, it's foundational to understanding the Bible. The sin doesn't go unpunished, but someone has to pay for every act of wrong that's done. I pay or you pay unless we have a substitute. And, and that's, I guess, the key question for today. If you miss everything else, I don't want you to miss this. Have you allowed the Passover lamb, the blood of Jesus, to be applied to your life? Because when we come to the place of saying, oh my goodness, I, I have sinned. I've messed up. I have regrets in my life. Maybe I haven't broken all the Ten Commandments, but if you break one, that's all you need to break, and really any other offense against a holy God. And I, I need a substitute for my sin because otherwise my sin will lead to judgment and judgment will lead to my death. So here's one final statement in your notes. It says this, you and I are offered forgiveness and life through the Lamb. Here's how Peter put it. He says, you can be redeemed from your empty way of life. At some point, we all come to that place where we go, life is empty on my own. If it's just about making money or achieving, or at some point, I'm gonna get older, I'm gonna die, like what, what is it all about? He said, he can redeem you from that. How? With the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish. That when you allow Jesus to come into your life, when you invite him in, you begin to realize this is who I was made for. That in relationship with him, everything starts to fit together. He cleanses me from my past. He gives me a new beginning. And, and, and he, he's the sacrifice for me, the substitute. You know, when Jesus, you think of the words when he took the bread and the cup as they had that preparation for Passover. And it says, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is given what? For you, for you. Do this whenever you eat it to remember me. And in the same way after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do you see what he did? He said, it's a new covenant. The old covenant, the old way, you had to have the blood of a lamb. He says, the new covenant is whose blood? Jesus said, it's my blood. And there'd never need to be another sacrifice because he would be our Passover lamb. And he said, whenever you do this, whenever you take the bread and the cup, I want you to remember me. Friends, here's what I want us to know. I don't want you to miss this. The sacrifice doesn't count for you unless you make it personal. Back in the Old Testament when God said, I'm gonna, I, the angel of death is going to come and there's gonna be judgment. You couldn't say, you know, well, my, my grandparents, they've got blood on the doorpost of their house. That didn't matter. My neighbors had blood on the doorpost of their house. That, that didn't matter either. You had to have the blood of the lamb where? On the doorpost of your life, your house. And if you didn't, Judgment was going to come to your house. And friends, it's no different today that all of us, the Bible says, have messed up. We've all sinned. We've all, we've all fallen short of what God wants for us. And the wages of that sin is, is death. Someone pays for my sin. I pay 
or the wonder of what Jesus has done is I can say, Jesus, when you came, you came for me. Your blood, you said, was poured out for me. So Jesus, I put my trust in you. I want your blood to be applied to my life. We have a prayer we're gonna, uh, I'm gonna invite you to say with me, just to affirm Jesus, I want that to be true for me. And, and, and when you really grasp what he's done, it's not just praying a prayer, but it's saying, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I, I owe everything to you. I want to follow you. I want you to be, I want you to be my best friend from here on. One more thing before we take the bread and the cup. Not only does Jesus free us from the judgment of our sin, he also offers us something today. He doesn't just bear our, our judgment, he also takes our sicknesses and our diseases. You know that passage we looked at earlier from Isaiah chapter 53? Matthew, the gospel writer, applies that to Jesus in the, in the way of that we can bring our sicknesses to Jesus. Listen to what he says. He says in Matthew 8, Jesus healed all the sick. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah who said, he took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. Here's what that means. You and I are invited to ask the Lord for healing even today. Maybe you're dealing with something today, you go, I got a diagnosis or someone I love has a diagnosis. You can bring that to Jesus today. We're gonna give you an opportunity to do that. Maybe there's a relationship that's broken that you think, I don't know if there's any hope for this. Maybe someone has walked away from God and you go, Lord, I, I just, I'm, I am praying for them to come back. Maybe there's emotional baggage you think, if I could drop that off and just give that to Jesus, we're gonna give an opportunity for that to happen in just a little bit after we take communion. Friends, here's what we know. All of the signs of the Old Testament, they all... They all, they all point to Jesus, that he's the answer to the, all the brokenness of the world today. And you might say, you know, I, Jonathan, I have messed up so badly. I don't think that God is the blood of the lamb applied to your life. If it is, you have nothing to fear. You're free, forgiven, safe from future judgment. Why? Because the Passover lamb gave his life for you. And because of that, we can say with the multitudes in heaven, worthy, worthy is what? Is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb today. Let's thank him together. You know, as we uh, pray, welcome to bow your heads. I'm just going to say this. I, I mentioned, I, I'd like to give us an opportunity to affirm our faith in Christ so if we believe what the Bible says about judgment and you want to affirm today, Lord, my trust is in you as my Passover lamb. I'm gonna invite you just to pray along silently as I pray aloud. And if you're wondering, where's this prayer from? It's in your notes as well. But I'll pray and I'll pray slowly so you can follow along, okay? <clears throat> Lord Jesus, you are the living God. I understand that my sin deserves judgment. Thank you for loving me enough to take that judgment, your blood poured out for me. Thank you for providing a way for me to be kept safe when you will judge all evil. In faith, I trust you and your sacrifice as payment for my sin. 
I want you to be first in my life to lead me each day. Help me to discover all you have in store for me. My life is yours, Lord. Help me to follow you and know you better. In your name I pray and thank you. And everyone said, amen.